to a Hope 103.2 podcast. If you have a Bible nearby, that's great. If not, just listen in. We're making our way through the sometimes overlooked New Testament book of James, a small but significant letter written by Jesus' own brother. It's packed with challenges for everyday life. We're up to chapter 5, verse 12. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes, and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Well, how does James 5.12 relate to what comes before it and or after it? Many have puzzled over this. The commentators are completely divided. Personally, though, I think it's just a lone instruction James felt he had to fire off before he brought his letter to a close. Not everything in the Bible has to fit neatly with what comes before or afterwards. The words above all which introduce this are a customary phrase, meaning something like, let me underline this. Perhaps James added this as if to say, I know I'm treating this theme briefly, but it's really, really important. This verse contains the letter's most obvious allusion to a specific statement of Jesus. From Matthew 5.34, Jesus said, I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. As with the other allusions to Jesus' teaching, though, James feels no need to present the words as a quotation. See, James's hearers were well acquainted with the words of their Messiah. It was the teacher's job to make sure of this. So even the faintest hint of something Jesus said or did would have recalled the very words of life. The Old Testament endorses the use of oaths. We see this in Exodus 13, Exodus 22, Leviticus 5, and other places as well. But by James's day, an elaborate system of oath-swearing had developed in which truthfulness could be graded according to the type of oath you gave. Swearing by Jerusalem or by the temple, for instance, was regarded as a non-binding oath. Swearing by the gold of the temple, on the other hand, or by some of the utensils used in the temple, was considered fully binding. Other oaths included swearing by heaven or by earth, as James indicates here. The result of this system was that low-level oaths could be used to avoid telling the truth. Jesus had said that this kind of oath system had come from the devil, Extending this logic, James now says that if people continue in that oath system, they will be condemned. Of course, telling the truth does not earn our salvation, but it does reveal who the people destined for salvation are. Those who have been born through the word of truth will, in obedience to that word, live and speak truthfully. Are all oaths wrong in themselves? Well, while some cults believe they are, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, it's difficult really to sustain this conclusion. For one thing, as I've already said, the Old Testament fully endorses the use of oaths. So there must be some sense in which oaths are okay. More importantly, some New Testament authors refer positively to oaths, and some of them actually use oaths themselves. Um, Acts 2.30, Hebrews 6.13... Hebrews 7.20 and Romans 9.2. Naturally, any system of oath swearing designed to permit graded truthfulness 
has to be rejected by Christians. That's what James is getting at. But it's extremely unlikely that James or Jesus intended to rule out all forms of oath swearing. Oaths such as those used in modern day legal courts are obviously not designed to permit half-truths. They're actually intended to underline the gravity of speaking truthfully in a court of law. But more important than the question of oath-swearing is the insistence of James and Jesus that believers always tell the truth. Their yes must always mean yes, and their no must always mean no. It hardly needs to be said that we live in a culture with a high tolerance for lies. Many of us accept as normal advertisers' attempts to sell us half-truths and sometimes straight-out lies. We almost expect big business to deceive us in order to profit. And the lying and spin-doctoring of modern politics is stunning. In our day, just as much as in James's day, we have to remember the high premium placed on truth-telling by the Bible. There is no such thing as graded truthfulness. And despite the growing acceptance of the little white lie, Christians are to commit themselves afresh to the principle of speaking truthfully at all times. If we're not known for speaking words of truth, how can we believably claim to know the word of truth? Well, Stuart Hetherington, which is not his real name, is someone who knows something of the cost of telling the truth and the pressure to be less than completely honest. He is an experienced veterinarian and Stuart remembers more than one situation where his integrity was really put to the test at work. One such incident was especially memorable, largely because it involved a less than supportive boss and even death threats. Working in a small rural community, Stuart was fairly new to town when a client's valuable stud horse died suddenly and unexpectedly. Following the post-mortem, an examination of the 40 other horses on the farm showed them to have early signs of the same disease. This created a huge problem for the horse owner. Stuart was placed under enormous pressure to sign insurance forms saying that the horses were well at the time he examined them. But Stuart remembers it was blatantly obvious the horses weren't well. The potential losses for both the farmer and the veterinarian practice were huge. The farmer wanted the forms signed, and Stuart's boss was desperate to keep this hugely important client. Stuart knew that if he signed the forms, he would almost certainly not face any legal ramifications. But he couldn't do it. He resisted the pressure from both the horse owner, who threatened to kill him if he didn't sign it, and his boss, who actually backed the client. Let me quote what Stuart says. I knew that it would have been easier to sign. In order to have the client off my back and to get on with the owner of the practice, that would have made my life simpler. I had a conviction that I needed to tell the truth. Stuart says that his Christian faith wasn't the only thing influencing his decision, but it was an integral part. I feel that faith needs to inform every aspect of life, he says, and not only those areas that are open to public scrutiny. Well, James and Jesus would agree wholeheartedly. Let's pray. 
God of truth, give me grace and courage to speak the truth at all times. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.